The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. When the Pharisees gathered to him, Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and cupper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from the one and only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus had some strong words for the leadership this morning. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, he says. And I bet that they never read it that way. Just like I bet we read a lot of Scripture, like they did. Oh, we're good there. That doesn't apply to me right now. I'm pretty good where I'm at. I have no problems. Ah, that's for other people. That's for the people that don't come to church. That's for those atheists, those heathens outside. doesn't apply to me at all. Oh, let's look at Psalm 14.1 that says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Yeah, see, that's for those people out there. The fools outside that say there's no God. That's not for us. We're all good in here. Psalm 10, verse 11 also, you know. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Oh, he says in his heart. Jesus was talking about the heart today. The Jewish people were all worried about their traditions and how they were doing things outwardly. But God wants to know about your heart. And that's what Jesus is getting to with the Pharisees and you and me this morning. Where's your heart? Because you say, you see, quite often we say in our own hearts, God has forgotten, meaning he's hidden his face, meaning he doesn't know what I'm doing. He doesn't, he doesn't know what I'm thinking. He doesn't know what I plan to do, what I hope to do. He doesn't, un, he doesn't know all that. We don't think about it. You're not actively sitting there going, ha, 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 God's not looking at me right now. I'm going to go over here and steal this thing. You're not thinking that actively, but you're acting that way. Your heart's acting that way. Your heart's deceitful above all things, Jeremiah says. Your heart is always wandering away from God. And we get to the point where we numb ourselves 
and just kind of say, God, God's not paying attention. God understands. We start to put our sin to the side as though it's no big deal. And then we begin to hide in our good intentions. Well, I really wanted to do good. That, that was my intention. I wanted to do good. We hide in our teachings. God will forgive me. It doesn't matter what happens to me. We call that cheap grace. I can do whatever I want. God will forgive me and love me, so why worry about that sin? Why worry about those thoughts and deeds I have? God will overlook us because he'll continue to love us. He'll continue to forgive us. And so we don't deal with sin. We just kind of shove it to the side and think that he will never see it. We think that God will not see it because we put forth an appearance, a pretense of being good people. And Isaiah 29, 15 said, Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark and who say, Who sees us? Who knows us? Jesus is taking these verses and applying them directly to the leadership of the church in his day. Saying, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you? Isaiah 29, 17 then says, is it not yet, because of all that you are, all that you do, Jesus says, is it not yet a little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? God loves to flip things upside down. He loves to take everything and turn it on its head. To us, it seems like it's on its head because we're sinners. The world seems right in the way that we have it, and God comes in and flips it upside down. And to us, that's like, whoa, hey, that's not the way the world is. And God goes, good, because you've brought sin into the world. You turned the world upside down. I'm just making it right once again. So as we look at Mark 7 this morning, as Jesus said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? They think they have everything in right order. They're doing everything just right. They're the Pharisees. Everyone looks to them to honor them. They are the ones seeking after God. And God, Jesus goes, no, nope. you guys flipped that one upside down. Hi, sweetie. How you doing? Good. I love having people up here. Love having kids here. How are you doing? I'm so glad to see you. Hi. Should we go back and sit down? Yeah, want to give me five? Hi. Oh, I think somebody's looking for you. Oh, no, 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 no. There's so much to see in here, isn't there? Look at all this stuff. Come over here, look at this altar. There's a cross to remember Jesus. And a big cross, isn't it big? Yeah, it is. And you get to come forward for the children's message, and you can come forward again to the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Hi. <laughs> Where did I put my tablet? Ah. We love kids here. So Jesus comes into this world that we flipped upside down. You and I flipped it upside down with our sin. We turned everything on its head. And we say, ah, now everything's right. Jesus comes in and goes, nope, we got to flip this upside down. We go, whoa, Jesus, what are you doing? Can you imagine the Pharisees as they hear Jesus say this? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and vain do they worship me? Wow. Imagine the Pharisees hearing that from Jesus. Of course, they're going to start to plan and think that we need to get rid of this man. He's turning the world upside down. Yes, he is. 
And he wants to do the same to you. He wants to turn you upside down. Look at Ephesians 5. Talk about turning our culture upside down, right? As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. We'll just stop right there. (laughs) Oh, you wives, you're looking at me going, "Mm -mm -mm, there's more. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Back in the Roman culture day, to say something like this and to understand it, they might have been okay with that first part in the way that they understood the world. You might, this world might be just fine. The men might be just fine with that first part in the way that we understand the world. The man is the head of the house. The woman should do what I tell her. Right? There we go. I'm going to go sit in my easy chair. You go make me a sandwich. We'll have fun. No, that's not how it goes, guys. How did Christ love the church? He came into this world. He took on flesh. He suffered and died on the cross for the church. He sacrificed everything, gave up everything, his, his throne in heaven. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He went to the cross. He had done no wrong. He gave himself up for his bride, the church. So you see, God comes in and turns our culture upside down. He says, husbands, yeah, you're the head of the house. You know what that means in God's kingdom? It means you sacrifice for your wife, for your kids. It means you are the servant. You're the one at the bottom. You're the one that's making sure they're being taken care of, they're being provided for. You're the one that's making sure they're being protected. God turns everything upside down. And so I always then, in premarital counseling, I always ask the wives, okay, if you have a husband who's giving up of himself for you to meet your needs, to take care of you, is that a husband that you're willing to submit to? Of course, because he's making sure everything's taken care of for you. So, of course, you're going to let him do that. Now, of course, sin comes in. Husbands, we, guys, we don't do that. We get selfish. We take care of ourselves. We forget about our wives. We don't take care of their needs. We kind of let them fend for themselves. And then they get upset at us. We go, whoa, you're supposed to submit to me. And they go, you're supposed to love me. God turns everything upside down, and that's what he's doing with the Pharisees when Jesus is speaking to them. They think they have all these traditions set up so that they can uh, put a fence around God's law so they don't break his laws. All they've done is forget about God's law and ignore it, and they're worried more about their traditions. You see, all of us are good at asking, what must I do? All right, God, what do I need to do in order to please you? What do I got to do? We want lists that we can check off. We want actions that we can perform because those things make us feel good about ourselves. I can look at that and go, got that done, got that done, got that done. Oh, God must be so pleased with me today. I got that done. Oh, I did. Wow. Aren't you so proud of me, God? Yeah. Oh, look at me, world. That's our heart. That's what our heart wants. We want to be rewarded for our good deeds. Jesus just wants your heart. How did he sum up all the commandments? Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ephesians here shows us self-sacrificial love. How should it look like? Paul is saying, look, I'm talking about marriage, but really I'm talking about Jesus and the church and how we should all act towards one another. This is how all of us should do it. Self-sacrificial love, respect, honor. So I ask you, in your marriage, do you want a spouse who's really good at 
doing what they ought to do. The spouse who buys you flowers, buys you gifts, takes you on vacation, provides for, for you. Someone who even praises your name out there in the world, but their heart is far from you. They're cold. They don't really love you. They rarely come home to you. They run off. They have affairs. They neglect your children. Is that the spouse that you want? The one whose heart is far from you, but who looks good on the outside? Or do you want the spouse who loves you with their whole heart, who seeks you out, who comes home to you every day, who helps out around the house, who takes care of the children? Yeah, they forget flowers on the anniversary. They don't bring you gifts all the time. But they're there with you. They're there for you. And they seek out forgiveness when there's wrong being done. Is not that the spouse that you want? That's what God wants from you. He doesn't want you to check off all these rules and things that you've done good. He wants you to be here. He wants you to come home. He wants you to to desire to be with Him, to love Him, to receive from Him. God wants you to love Him by seeking Him out where He can be found. Our world's really good at saying, well, God is everywhere, so I'll go out and I'll praise Him doing whatever I want. I'll go golfing and praise Him on a Sunday morning. But God wants you to seek him where he can be found. And where does he promise to be for you? Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. God wants you to be here so he can give to you. He wants you to come home so that your love can be strengthened and so he can love on you. And God wants you then to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Too often we simply agree to a teaching. Too often we are simply going through the the hoops. I got baptized, now I'm going to bring my kid, they're going to be confirmed. We've joined the church, we've gathered, we've filled out a membership card, we've gotten the bulletin. Those things don't get you into heaven. Not baptism, I listen, that one. (laughs) But simply going through the actions is my point. And all these things that we do help shepherd you, guide you, grow you, strengthen you, but but simply holding out your confirmation certificate when you get to the gates of heaven, you're like, here you go, St. Peter. How long ago is that? You're 82 now. Back when I was 13, I confessed you. Have you come home since? Eh, I didn't really see a need for church, God. Eh, I was off doing my own thing, but I was confirmed. Don't honor God with your lips and keep your heart far away from him. Come home. Come here. Help us raise the children. You're all children of God. Help us by volunteering. Help us do chores, not because you must to, not because it makes you feel good, but because you love one another, because you love God and want to serve. So also, the spouse can't leave home for weeks at a time, months at a time, go have affairs, do what they want, and then come home and be like, oh, look, honey, we got married. We're still married. Yeah, no, you deserted your spouse. That's not marriage anymore. I don't care about your certificate. Okay? God desires your heart. He desired it so much, He sent Jesus into the world to take your place, to give you a new heart, one that is free from all sin and evil, one that has been cleansed. He desires your heart. He wants you to come and worship Him that He might cleanse you again, that you might receive gifts from Him again, that you might offer to Him your sacrifice, thanksgiving, and praise, and in thanksgiving for all the love He pours out to you, You respond by loving your neighbor and serving them. Don't get hung up on traditions. Don't honor God with your lips. 
and keep your heart far from him, for he has come to you to offer you his heart. May you hear his word and respond in kind this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.